Well, two of the four Advent candles are now lit, and I'm assuming presents are starting to appear underneath some of your trees at homes. Uh, Christmas is getting closer, and soon we're going to be able to swap gifts with one another. And, of course, Christmas is also Jesus' birthday, which begs the question, with all the gift-giving that's going on, what are you going to give Jesus for his birthday? For Christmas. What do you think is on his wish list? We don't have to wonder. He told us what he wants. As we heard, St. Mark began his gospel, the very first verses of it, by telling us about St. John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a strange fellow. He was out in the desert wearing camel's hair, eating locusts and honey, and people came from all over to hear what he had to say. Why would they go out to this strange guy in the desert? Well, I think there's a few reasons. He was a sincere man who practiced what he preached. He seemed a bit strange, but he was no hypocrite. In his dress and in his message, John reminded the people of the great prophet Elijah. And so people believed him. He had quite a few followers. And, it, and what was it that John the Baptist was preaching with such sincerity and with such fervor? He told the people to prepare and to repent. John came to prepare the, the world for the arrival of Jesus. And the way to prepare to meet Jesus, according to John is to acknowledge, confess, one's sins and to repent of them. We all want Jesus to come to us, right? I hope so. And he will, unless we place some obstacle in his way. And that's exactly what sin is. It's an obstacle in Jesus' way as he seeks to come into our hearts. And that brings me to the advice of Isaiah and John. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. So we need to make the road into our souls, into our hearts, as straight and level as we can. So there are no obstacles to Jesus' entry. The valleys that need to be filled in are sometimes said to represent our sins of omission. A sin of omission is a sin that happens when we choose not to do something that we know we ought to have done. Something's lacking that needs to be filled in. Examples include things like, well, not praying at all, or a parent not feeding their children, or a student not doing their chores or homework, or neglecting aging parents or grandparents, or neglecting the poor, and so on. Not doing things we ought to do. Many times a, per, a person's, person's conscience knows, I should really do that thing, and, but out of laziness or some other motive just chooses not to do it, they commit a sin of omission. We need to fill up that valley by doing the deeds we know are required of us, 
and by seeking God's forgiveness for the times when we fail to do so. What about every mountain and hill that should be made low? Well, these are said to represent the heaps and piles of our sins of commission. Such sins occur when we know God prohibits a certain action, but we go ahead and do it anyway. We commit the sin. The Ten Commandments give a good examination of conscience on these sorts of sins. So let's walk through these sin, uh, these commandments as a refresher. Well, the first one is, I'm the Lord your God. You shall have no strange gods before me. Willfully rejecting a teaching of the Catholic Church is an example of this. So if a person does that, they are in effect placing something or someone else in place of God's authority. Or like taking horoscopes seriously or uh, consulting fortune tellers or things like that, you know, that would be putting other things in before God. The second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, this is a habit I know a lot of people have. And insofar as it's a choice, as we're choosing to do it, to say God or Jesus Christ carelessly or as a swear word, that's a sin. It's a speed bump on God's road into our heart. It's keeping him away from us. Number three, remember to keep holy the Lord's day. Working instead of worshiping when it's a choice on Sunday is an example of this. And also, attending Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation, unless weather or some other thing makes it really impossible, well, we miss that Sunday Mass, it's a sin. We owe the Mass to God, and we need it for our own good, too. Four, honor your father and your mother. For kids, breaking rules that your parents make around the house is an example of this sort of sin. But all of us owe parents and all legitimate authority figures respect. Number five, you shall not kill. Well, obviously that includes, you know, don't murder anyone. But it also includes hurting someone. Or even just hanging on to anger. Choosing to be angry with someone. Holding a grudge. Um, that can be breaking this commandment. Number six. You shall not commit adultery. So, choosing to look at pornography or, or even a mainstream movie or so-called romance novel with inappropriate content breaks this commandment, as does impure actions alone or with others. Or any sex outside of marriage breaks this commandment. Number seven. You shall not steal. Well, if a person takes something that's not theirs, well, that's a sin. Number eight, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, lying about a neighbor or, or gossiping, definitely a sin. Nine, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Well, this, is, this one's like the sixth commandment. You know, choosing to look lustfully at another person breaks this commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Number 10. You know, clinging to jealous thoughts or hating another person because of the things they have that you don't. Well, that breaks this commandment. And so on. This is why it's good to have those ten 
memorized, so you can do a good examination of conscience just whenever you need to. Uh, for a more complete examination of conscience, though, you can always grab one of the pamphlets back there by the confessional door. And uh, most prayer books and Catholic prayer apps on your phone, they also have, most of them, some kind of an examination of conscience to help you prepare for confession. It, it's, it's not hard to find a guide on going to confession these days. We need to cut down those mountains, these piles of sin, these mounds of guilt that weigh us down. And we need to fill in the deep valleys of sin that are evident in how we neglect our duty to God and neighbor. Because these sins keep Jesus away from us. So, let's get rid of them. Well, how do we do that? Well, obviously, of course, through the sacrament of confession. It's the most powerful way. It removes the guilt of all sins. After confession, those sins will no longer keep us from Jesus. They won't keep us from heaven. And the sacrament of confession also gives us help in carrying out our duties so that we can avoid the sins of omission going forward. The sacrament also gives us grace to prevent the sins of commission by helping us do the, or avoid doing the things we know are wrong. So let's take the advice of John the Baptist and prepare for the coming of Jesus by repenting of our sins and by confessing them. That will fill in the valleys, cut down the mountains of sin, and pave the way for Jesus to come to us with all haste. He is coming. This is what we celebrate during this season of Advent. He's coming to us in, in Holy Communion, in prayer, on his birthday, at the end of our lives, and at the end of time. Jesus is coming. So to get back to that uh, question I opened with, what are you going to get Jesus for Christmas? Now, he told us what he wants. He wants to be able to come to us. And the best Christmas present we can give him is a pure heart, a heart cleansed of sin, a repentant heart, the path to which has been made smooth, level, and easy for Jesus to travel. Amen.